I'm Ruma Tenbrink, and welcome to the Children's Bedtime Stories podcast for adults. I am so excited to be reading to you my first book this evening. I really hope you enjoy this, and I hope it helps you fall asleep in a beautiful slumber and take you to a faraway land. Thank you so, so much for listening. World-renowned musician, environmentalist, and humanitarian, Dave Matthews, in collaboration with popular children's book author Cleet Barrett-Smith, has conjured an exciting and poignant fantasy about a girl who must confront her past mistakes before she can save her peaceful forest community from a gigantic threat. I am honored to read to you, If We Were Giants, Little Voices Can Have a Huge Impact. Let joy begin as we read part one, The Volcano. Only a few people were ever allowed to venture past the borders of Zidu. Ten-year-old Kiro was one of them. She should have been constantly aware that this was a greater and serious responsibility. She should have remained on high alert for the many dangers. She should have made careful note of everything she saw and heard to bring knowledge back to her people. But mostly she liked to chase squirrels. Every square inch of the limited space back in Zidu was claimed for something useful. Crop, terraces, or thatched huts, or grazing plots for livestock. But here on the outside, Kira loved how the whole world could just relax and stretch itself right out. There were no forests inside the confines of Zidu's walls, and out here, the miles upon miles of tall trees made for an irresistible playground. Her small feet were perfect for racing along branches, even the narrow ones, and her light body allowed her to take flying leaps from one tree to another without breaking the limbs in her sure-handed grip as she swung from them. And there were squirrels, so many squirrels. It was Kira's goal to capture one and bring it home to show Tico, mostly because he just shook his head when she described the cutest creature she had ever seen. As much as her little brother loved hearing her stories about the outside, she could tell he didn't believe half of them. The squirrel she was after made its big mistake after leading Kira up a hundred feet. Had it kept climbing, she might have eventually given up, but the creature suddenly shifted and changed course, apparently thinking it would have a better chance of escape on the ground, and it started scrambling down the tree trunk. Kira, red-faced and panting after the long chase, suddenly had the advantage. Going down was much easier than climbing up. With a fearlessness that had always inspired envy in her brother and horror in her mother, Kira hopped from branch to branch, scarcely balancing on one foot before bounding to the next limb. More like controlled falling than climbing down, so she was already on firm footing when the squirrel came blindly barreling down the tree trunk. Kira waited, waited, and then suddenly lunged. 
she came away with two handfuls of squirming fur. Aha! Finally got one! She wasn't sure who was more surprised, she or the squirrel. But as she watched, it scrabble its tiny paws against her hands and frantically turn its head this way and that, she suddenly felt pity for it. After all, squirrels enjoyed running free through these glorious trees as much as she did. Kira tilted her head and studied the creature. So what do you think I should do with you? The squirrel stopped squirming, looked right at her, and unleashed a stream of chittering. You sound like Maja when she's mad, Kira said, smiling. This observation didn't sit, sit well with the creature. It started thrashing around even more in its frenzied attempt to escape. Kira held it in a gentle yet firm grip, then carefully removed one hand from the squirrel and felt for the pouch tied to her waist. She had brought it especially to carry back a fine specimen such as this, but she just couldn't do it. Kira knelt on the forest floor. You're lucky I have such a soft heart today, my furry friend. She lowered her hands to set it gently on the ground, but instead the squirrel turned and in a flash raced up the length of her arm, scrambled onto the top of her head, and digging its little paws into her thick hair, launched itself back onto the tree where it disappeared into the branches. Kira smirked and shook her head. She was brushing dirt and little wisps of fur off of her hands when, Kira! Uh-oh, her father, and the sound of his voice was so faint, she must have traveled farther than she'd meant to. Kira! Much farther. She could barely hear him. That was not good. She ran in the direction of the voice, quickly finding the way blocked by thickets of brush, fallen logs, and rotting stumps, with plants growing straight out of their tops. Better to go up and over, Kira jumped to grab a low-hanging branch with both hands, pulled herself up, and swung her body around until she was straddling it. Then she hopped to her feet, ran along the sturdy limb, and leaped off, grabbing at the branches of the next tree. These were thinner and much more pliable, and she swung through the air in a dizzying rush. The broad leaves, swiping her face, until she was able to pull herself hand over hand to thicker branches closer to the trunk. Then she scaled the limbs 10, 20 feet off the ground and jumped to the next tree. Kira! Closer now, she angled over to her left, bounced across a half dozen more trees, and could finally see the trunks thinning out where the whole dirt road snaked through the forest. Soon she was able to get a glimpse of Taro, Big and broad-shouldered, he stood in road, dusty robes, in front of their cart, cupping both hands around his mouth and shouting. This was not going to end well. She'd been gone too long, made her father worry. She could hear it in his voice. Kira would certainly be punished this time. Unless... As she approached... She could see that Taro had his back to the cart as he yelled into the forest. The two-wheeled contraption was in the middle of the road, directly under an overhanging tree branch. 
Their supplies were covered by a clump of soft robes and blankets. Kira leaped to that tree and found herself perched above his head. One of the talents she had discovered while traveling outside was the ability to move silently. Kira! Come back here this instant! His voice was booming now that she was so close. If I have to go into that forest, you can forget about coming on the next trip. As he was calling, Kira stepped off the branch and dropped directly onto the blankets in the cart. She quickly pulled a few of them over herself and started fake snoring loudly. Taro whirled around, surprised, and whipped the blankets off of Kira. Where have you been, daughter? Kira slowly blinked her eyes open and rubbed them with her fists. Why, whatever do you mean, Paja? she asked, her voice dripping with innocence. I've been resting here the whole time. Kira let out a huge yawn and made an exaggerated show of looking around at their surroundings. Oh, are we almost there? Taro just sighed and shook his head. At least the council chose my helper well. I swear, you can sell a story better than anyone. He narrowed his eyes and shook a finger at her. Even the flimsiest and sketchiest of stories. Kira giggled. Taro grabbed her around the waist with both hands and lifted her out of the cart as if she weighed no more than a small sack of papayas. Then he set her down and pointed at the bend in the road up ahead. We're approaching Lukui. You stay close to me now, understand? Yes, Paja, Kira sighed. But there's just so much to see out here. She spread her arms and twirled in a circle, indicating the entire world. I never have the chance to soak it all in before it's time to go back home. I know, little one, I know. He leaned down and kissed the top of her head. But we have a job to do. It's time to get ready for the show. Taro tapped both of his cheeks. Go ahead. Do your magic. Kira turned to the cart rummaged around under the blankets and came out with a small stool and a leather carry case. Taro sat on the stool eye to eye with his daughter. Kira pulled a small pouch from the case, dipped her fingers in, and they came out covered in a sticky black mixture of sap from a gum tree mixed with charcoal. Taro grimaced, baring his teeth at her, and Kira rubbed the paste over three of his front teeth. When she was done, it looked like those teeth had fallen out, leaving a black space. Ack! I'll never get used to the taste of that. Paja, don't talk. Let it dry. He nodded obediently. After that, she pulled out a battered eye patch and slipped it over Taro's head, settling the shabby fabric in place over his right eye. Next, she dipped into another pouch filled with ashes, mixed with a bit of water and powdered milk and Kira ran her fingers over Taro's head, giving his black curls a series of mangy gray streaks. She followed this up by grabbing a handful of hay and wedging some of the stalks into his mane, then rubbing her hands in the dirt before smudging them across her father's brown cheeks. The final touch was to grab a lumpy pillow and a dark threadbare cloak. 
Taro leaned forward and let Kira drape the cloak over his shoulders and then shoved the pillow underneath the collar of his robe so that it rested right behind his neck, giving him the appearance of a hunchback. So, he rose from the stool but remained slightly bent over, scowling. When he spoke, it was with the raspy yet powerful voice that he would use in the village. How do I look? Hideous. Perfect. Taro indicated the cart with a nod of his head. Now it's your turn. Kira sighed again and pulled a battered straw sun hat from the cart. She tied up her long, curly, dark hair with a bit of string, then pushed it all up inside of the hat as she set it on her head. Afterward, she slipped on an oversized cloak and rubbed some of the dirt on her own face as well. Taro tilted his head to study his daughter, then at her. What's wrong? You're becoming much too pretty to pull this off. Paja, quit teasing. It'll be fine. I'm not teasing. You are growing into a beautiful and intelligent young woman, Kira. Tara rubbed his chin as he studied her. But we're stuck with this for today, and the show will start soon. You remember how to act, yes? Of course. Kira rolled her eyes. Like Tico, grunt a lot, use very small words, breathe loudly while never quite closing my mouth, and constantly scratch myself in unseemly places. Taro laughed but wagged his finger at her. Okay, no more jokes and I mean it. Time to go over the rules. Again? Kira could do this routine in her sleep. Yes, again. Now what is your name? Kala, and what is the one thing we never, ever do? Taro's voice was somber. Answer any questions about our real home. Such as? Where it is. How long it would take to get there. What direction it's in. What it's like there. How many people live there. Taro smiled. That's my daughter. No, you can't say that, Paja. I'm your son, Kala. Kira scratched herself in an unseemly place for emphasis. Taro chuckled. Point taken. Let's get moving. He reached into the cart for his cane and started to make his way down the dirt road, hunched over and favoring one leg. Kira backed herself in between the cart's two long handles, picked them off the ground and placed them on her shoulders. Then she grunted with the effort of pulling it behind her. Even burden... Even burdened as she was now, Kira was able to keep her head up and take in the surroundings as she followed Taro down the road. This was so much better than being stuck at home doing chores, sweeping up their family's hut for the seventeenth time a day at her mother's insistence, or yet again gathering fuel for the community cook fires. Outside, there was something new everywhere she looked. Back in the familiar limits of Zidu, Kira had already seen everything there was to see. As they wound around the final bend and the walls of the village came into sight, the front gate swung open and a gaggle of kids came pouring out. Kira watched them as they rushed up the road, kids she had never met, many of them her own age. They had stories she hadn't heard a hundred times before, new games she had never played, and ate foods she had never tasted. 
but just like always, these kids did not have eyes for her. They swarmed around the hunchback Taro, who limp-marched resolutely toward the gate and pretended not to notice them. The volcano man! The volcano man! the kids yelled as they escorted him to Luqui's entrance. Kira trudged along behind with the cart. The volcano man has come back! 